This is the Get Healthy 360 podcast, where we discuss topics related to your physical, mental, psychological, and spiritual health. Your host is Dr. Chris Ferguson, board certified in anesthesiology and pain management. This podcast is for informational purposes only, and you should consult your primary healthcare provider before making any decisions related to your health. And here's your host, Dr. Chris Ferguson. Oh, one more thing before we start. If you like this episode, please consider rating us five stars. We would really appreciate it. Thanks very much. Welcome to Get Healthy 360. Today we have with us Dr. Neil Mehta. He's board certified in anesthesiology. He's also fellowship trained and board certified in interventional medicine. He holds many very impressive titles. He's the medical director of pain medicine at the Weill Cornell Pain Medical Center and the New York Presbyterian Hospital overseeing outpatient and inpatient services together with a large team of dedicated pain and regional anesthesia physicians. He's co-director of the Weill Cornell Multidisciplinary Spine Center. He's the associate Program Director of the Tri-Institutional Interventional Pain Medicine Fellowship. He's the Dean's Healthcare Leadership Fellow, Quality Assurance Officer for Pain Medicine, the Wild Cornell Physician Organization's Operations and Planning Committee member. He's also at the Wild Cornell Medical School Course Director in Pain Medicine. He was recently selected by his peers as one of the super doctors in New York's Rising Stars. It's a huge honor for anyone who's not familiar with this to be in one of the top doctors in New York. So Dr. Maida, it's an honor to have you with us today. Thank you, Dr. Ferguson. And, I, and I, I'm honored to be on this and, and the opportunity to speak with you and your listeners. So for anyone that's listening, there's a lot of controversy about different opioid-like oxycodone, Vicodin pain medications, and non-opioid pain medications. But what we're talking about today is, I think it's one of the greatest secrets in medicine that can be used to treat pain, but because it's not branded, meaning it's not there's no large company making a lot of money off some sort of branded medication. It's, it just doesn't get the promotion that other medications do. So Dr. Maida is going to talk to us today about this medication, the evidence for it, and the utility he's seen for it in his, his practice. Yeah, you hit the, the nail on the head. It's, it's sort of been a grassroots movement to understand, study, and use low-dose naltrexone. And while it has a history dating back many years, its purpose for the treatment of pain is relatively recent. And that's why it's so exciting to have the opportunity to tell more people about it. I think, you know, the way to sort of start it is to tell the story of what is LDN or its full form low-dose naltrexone. So based on the title, you can understand that it's a different dose than the usual use of naltrexone. Naltrexone drug was used and is currently still used for treatment abuse of alcohol, maybe even gambling addiction. And the idea is that it, it can bind to receptors that get often affected in those conditions and help patients uh, get through those addiction and, and alcohol abuse uh, situations. But its usage in pain is highly contingent on using a lower dose. And just how different is the dose? Well, the purpose of using it for addiction and alcohol abuse is somewhere in the 50 to 100 milligrams orally a day. And we're talking about a range of one microgram, so one one thousandth of a, a milligram versus a, a, all the way up to maybe six to eight milligrams orally. So it's got a pretty broad range of dosing, but still far lower than the usual FDA approved indication. And what does it mean to have FDA approval? Well, many of you may know that the FDA goes on to study drugs and 
look at its purpose, make sure that there's both safety and efficacy for the approved indication. But doctors for generations have been able to do usage of medications that haven't officially been studied by the FDA for other indications of conditions. And in this case, we're going to talk about its application for for pain. And I start off with that because this drug in its original purpose has been generic for many years, there's no financial incentive for a company to come out and study and pay the millions of dollars that it takes to study this drug for FDA approval. So that's why we're in this sort of bind of understanding its usage among peers. So to get back to what is it used for now, I'd say the most common treatments in pain surround some sort of inflammatory condition. So that could be fibromyalgia or Crohn's disease, multiple sclerosis, neuropathic pains of various types like diabetic neuropathy or complex regional pain syndrome. And then it's been used in some early stages of osteoarthritis. And I'll even talk about some case studies that have been used in the treatment of cancer. So low-dose naltrexone and naltrexone itself is an antagonist. What that means is it works against and blocks the receptor called the mu opioid receptor. And the mu opioid receptor is involved in our ability to feel less pain by stimulating endorphin release in our body. So it's used in this way, and we're going to use the low-dose formulation to sort of trigger an increased production of endorphins in our body. So we're using the natural pain relievers in our system to be able to help provide pain relief and some anti-inflammatory effects. It also has an upregulation or an increase in the activity of the immune system. There are various immune system pathways that lead to pain because of things that accumulate in our body when we're experiencing pain. So anything that can sort of reduce that amount of inflammation in a different way than, say, an Advil or a steroid may, it can be helpful for pain. So generally, we use this medication in its low form, taken once or maybe twice in a day. And the idea is that, again, we're causing a, our own body to stimulate the production of endorphins and reduce our overall level of pain. And that leads to a number of opportunities to help people. So if we talk about fibromyalgia, there was a a nice study done from Stanford University in California with Dr. Younger, Dr. Mackey, where they studied 31 women who had a history of fibromyalgia, which can be a very complex pain condition that people suffer from. And, And I'll also state that there isn't a lot of great treatment out there for fibromyalgia. I mean, people may know that they use gabapentin or Lyrica, a variety of things that are given, but nothing has really been a gold standard. So in these 31 women, they were randomized to either receive low-dose naltrexone or a placebo pill. And you know, when they went on to look at the impact on pain, there was a, a, re, a significant reduction in pain in the, those that received low-dose naltrexone compared to the placebo. But not only did they you know, be able to see the reduction in pain, but they also had an improvement in sleep disturbance. They had an improvement in their fatigue. They had improved mood without really experiencing any major side effects. So that becomes something that we see in more studies as we go on, that not only they're improving in pain relief, but they're getting improvement in energy and the side effects are pretty minimal, which is 
really phenomenal in, in that so many of our treatments that involve medication in the pain management world have side effects that can be pretty challenging, such as feeling really tired, getting constipated, getting vision. You don't see that with this particular drug. There was also a study on a severe neuropathic pain patient that had an injury to their right leg that went on to go have an infection and developed a condition called complex regional pain syndrome. And that, for those that are in the know, they understand that that's a very devastating condition in that it's not only has significant pain uh, at baseline, but also even things that normally shouldn't cause pain start to do that, such as wearing clothing or socks or shoes and, and the wind blow. And so this patient received naltrexone after having failed a lot of other treatments, including pain medications and Lyrica and so forth. And they saw a substantial improvement in their pain level, their, their energy level, their activity, and even some of the skin changes that come with complex regional pain syndrome started to improve. Then we had another case of a patient that suffered from severe neuropathy from diabetes, which can be quite debilitating for those that suffer from it. It's a lot of intense burning pain in their legs. And this patient had suffered from this for seven years and saw a 90% improvement in pain with taking LDN at night. So the question comes is that, is there something going on beyond just the pain relief? We've sort of hinted at that there's improvement energy and so forth. So somebody actually went on to study that and looked at the number of patients that were receiving LDN and no other new treatments for six months, so the controlled study, and they looked at what were the reductions that they saw. And number one was an improvement in energy and strength. And then Beyond that was the improvement in pain and improvement in being able to socialize with their peers and improvement in mood. So we're seeing that pain relief is often associated with the increase in energy and strength that this particular drug provides. But I will caution people in that this is still early on and that the, the number of patients that have been studied and have been involved in good quality research regarding LDN is still small. You'll see a lot of sort of individual cases reported in the scientific literature or also small groups of patients, but certainly nothing that you would see in a, in a rigorous study for FDA approval. And often what happens is when there's a treatment available that somebody hasn't tried, there's an enthusiasm that comes out to try that. And that's what happened about seven years ago in the country of Norway. There was good experience with the use of LDN. And so a documentary was created where several patients were featured in the study or in the documentary. Talk about their experience. In this particular documentary, there was a focus on pain related to multiple sclerosis. So what happened was there were a number of people that started wanting to use this and their, accordingly their physicians started prescribing it. So before the documentary, in a prescription database in the country of Norway, there were less than 20 cases of LDN being used. And then about a year after the documentary, it went, it jumped from 20 to greater than 15,000. And there were a large number of people trying it at least once. And there was a significant number of patients that were reporting positive effects from it. Again, energy levels and improvement in mood and pain. And one of the things that came about 
with that was a reduction in the amount of opioid pain prescribing, which, as you know, in this country, having an opioid crisis, any opportunity we have to reduce the amount of need for opioids is, is a potential win. So these patients were counseled that there may be an interaction with low-dose naltrexone and opioids, and as a result, many were, were weaned off of opioids and did not report any sig significant worsening of their pain despite having either eliminated or really greatly reduced their low dose or their uh, opioids there. So again, some, some opportunity that an understanding that this particular drug might help. But also it's important to know that there may be some pseudoscience coming out from this. And pseudoscience means that potential to discuss and, and promote use of it in conditions that haven't been rigorously studied. And, and we want to make sure that we don't overpromise on what it can do. There was discussion on the, the documentary about it being able to cure cancer or cure other conditions, and that evidence just isn't there. So the lack of evidence and its future direction is, you know, there is a need for a larger scale trial, but we have the financial pressure in that these studies are expensive and how do we how do we do that so there's again a lot of grassroots movements and the physicians all across the world that know about LDN that talk about it like myself and involve patients in registries and such to to be able to track how people do and show the improvement over time i also want to talk about just how do you get it and what are the things that you should know about this particular drug in that uh, if you do decide that you want to try it for your pain so I, I talked about the wide range of doses that are available. One microgram all the way up to six milligrams has been my experience. And I know some people have used even slightly higher than six milligrams. And not only do the doses vary, but also the frequency of how often you take it, whether you take it once a day, all the way up to four times a day has been reported in the literature. But despite that variability, it has low toxicity and low side effects. I talk about with my patients, the use of it may lead to some nausea and indigestion. So I counsel them to use it on an empty stomach, sort of first thing in the morning and potentially last thing at night. I also talk about that there may be some uh, worsening of sleep disturbance with that increase in energy. Some people have even reported vivid dreams from it. And if that occurs or that you do generally experience a uh, uh, have you know a history of insomnia, you may want to take this during the day rather than at, at night. How do you get it? Well, you have to use a compounding pharmacy. And what that is, is a pharmacy sort of like the old days where they make a particular strength based on the doctor's prescription unique to you. So a prescription with your name on it will be sent to this pharmacy and they will create the dose based on the doctor's uh, recommendation. And they take the 50 milligram commercially prepared dose, grind it up and form a new tablet or capsule. I actually recommend the tablet because many places make it in a way that it can be split in half and it allows you to be able to titrate or, or move upwards in the dose as you as you try to experience which uh, dose is most effective for you. you can, it's become a mainstay of my treatment. You use multimodal therapy, so it involves physical therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy, interventional treatments, other types of medications, and, and LDN. Uh, and it doesn't really interact with other medications, as I, as I mentioned. 
the cost of it, it's not covered by insurance. At least I haven't had success with that. But it's relatively inexpensive because they're taking a generic drug. The cost of it can be as low as fifteen to thirty dollars in a month. So it it's something that uh, has been very manageable for for patients to to use. So I I know Dr. Ferguson, I've been chatting for some time here, but uh, I think that gives a good overview of what the drug is able to do and how it's been used and some of its limitations. Do you have any, I would say, case reports or stories you could tell of how a patient was doing, what people have tried, and then they started on this low-dose naltrexone? And again, this, the disclaimer is, there's like exactly like Dr. Meta said, there's a lot of a lot more studies need to be done. And this is by no means a cure-all, but um, I'm also a pain physician and I use the low-dose naltrexone and I've seen sometimes dramatic results. So if you can share some of the cases that you've had. Yeah, I'd be happy to. So we, we get a number of patients that come to us, especially in Manhattan, uh, working at a university center that have really suffered for a long period of time and uh, don't don't know where to, where to go next. So we, we've had patients um, that suffer from severe muscle pain, whether it's related to being super flexible, like Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, that leads them to have recurrent muscle injuries. But we have, we have seen dramatic results in using LDN in those patients where they were either suffering constantly or, or using all sorts of minimally effective therapies for long periods of time. So you cut out a um, little bit. You cut out just a little bit. So you said for Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. Ehlers-Danlos syndrome is, is the condition that patients have where they have hyperflexible joints, and it often leads to recurrent injuries of, of their joints and muscles. And we've seen many patients that have responded well to LDN despite not having any good relief uh, from therapies previously. Um, many of those patients have been placed on opioids without any real dramatic change. And so we've been able to, to again, make a difference there. I, just a, another case that stands out is another patient that had severe neuropathy from cancer treatment. They had beat the cancer, but had been left with sort of severe pain afterwards. And uh, LDN was, again, maybe third or fourth treatment in their line that they had had, but was the only one that was dramatically different for them. So I'm not aware of any large studies that um, compare, say, low-dose naltrexone to the typical fibromyalgia drugs like Lyrica, Cymbalta, et cetera. What's your experience with low-dose naltrexone versus these other standard drugs? And also, if you would contrast it to some of the narcotic medication like Vicodin or Percocet, et cetera. Yeah. So the, the RCT that was there was you know, patients that had fibromyalgia that were compared against placebo, but many of them had already tried and failed things like Lyrica and Gabapentin, Cymbalta. And my experience has been that it's more effective than those particular agents. But again, it's an individualized uh, approach for those patients. And compared to opioids, I mean, certainly opioids have their role and, and so forth. And I don't want this to sound like I'm uh, totally against the use of opioids, but we want to have responsible usage of it and appropriate usage. And I, I find that LDN provides a good opportunity to both not only eliminate the need for an opioid or potentially reverse some of the tolerance that has developed over time to opioids. So I, I think that it often can be used in synergy with medications like opioids to help the effect. 
So for anyone that's listening, do you have any closing thoughts or for patients or physicians or nurse practitioners, physician's assistants, when they approach a patient with complex pain and they're starting to run out of options? Yeah, I think this is a great opportunity to try this drug. Again, the key take-home factors are that it doesn't interact with many things. Uh, It's well-tolerated and uh, it's pretty inexpensive to use from a compounding pharmacy. The other challenge is that these these patients are looking for help and repeating the same sort of mainstay of treatments out there over and over again doesn't lead to any better outcome. So I, I, I use this very heavily. The key sort of statement is that be patient with it. Counsel your patients to know that one or two doses of this is not going to make an effect. It, and I basically start it and I titrate it up over a course of a month. My particular regimen is I start at 1.5 milligrams and I ramp up to six milligrams over the course of 30 days. And the way I do that is I prescribe a three milligram dose that's a scorable tablet. And I ask them to break it in half to get 1.5 milligrams to start. And then the second week, take a full tablet or three milligrams. Third week, they take four and a half milligrams. And then the last week in that month, they, they take two tablets or six milligrams. And generally, they're taking it once a day, unless they report some side effects like uh, nausea or headaches or so, and then we may split the dose up during the day. If that fails, as I mentioned before, we don't know what the optimal dose is for patients. And despite having 250 patients on it, I still don't know the answer. And so I often will then go back to a microgram dose where I'll start them at 100 micrograms and work my way up from that. Fantastic. So Dr. Meta, thank you very much for taking time out of your busy practice and sharing your your knowledge on this, I think, very important option for pain relief, especially for conditions like fibromyalgia, Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome that are notoriously hard to treat for any physician. Well, thank you for the opportunity. I, I advise and, and recommend anybody that's interested in, in learning more about this. There are some great resources like the Low-Dose Naltrexone Research Trust uh, formed by a patient that suffered from multiple sclerosis and had a dramatic improvement from it. It's based out of London, but uh, there's a lot of activity here in the U.S. And, and great resources on there. You'll find some of my videos and, and lectures that I've done on this there. And um, also engage with your pain physicians to try this medication, uh, you know, and I hope that uh, you'll share with me any results that you may have. You can find me on our, our website for Wild Cornell Pain Management. Dr. Ferguson, it's, it's a real pleasure to, to be part of this, and, and I thank you for educating the public on uh, opportunities in pain, and I hope that we can chat again uh, soon. I, I would love to have you on the podcast again. I, you're an esteemed physician, rising star in New York. So I'm sure there's lots of information you can share with the general public that they typically won't have access to. So thank you. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a comment on the Get Healthy 360 Facebook page and consider subscribing to this podcast. Thanks.